How many believe God's got something up his sleeve? How many believe there's some greater things that are in front of you? Look at your neighbor right now and say, what's ahead of you is greater than what you've been through. What you, come on, help me now. What you've been through has prepared you for the greater than that is ahead of you. Now, if you believe that, give God some praise. Come on. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I'm so, so, so thankful for God's presence, for the spiritual family that we have here in this place, for this amazing praise team. Give them a quick hand, if you would, please. Thank you, team. Beautiful job. Um, it's just so great to be back home in West Memphis, Marion, and uh, be with you and be here in, the, in the, the service worshiping together with you. We had a wonderful time last weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. I, um, I told Drew, I said, son, I think the Lord loves you. He said, why do you say that? I said, because it's Texas and it could be 100 degrees, boy. <laughs> Honest to goodness, Thursday night we had our our wedding uh, rehearsal dinner on the roof of a downtown um, Fort Worth, Texas restaurant, and it was 74 degrees with the wind blowing. I just looked around, and I said, Lord, you're so good. You're just so good. Because uh, as you can tell, I don't like to sweat, but there ain't a whole lot I can do about it. And so we got out to the uh, about 50 hard minutes out into the middle of nowhere is this gorgeous kind of a Joanna Gaines kind of white, all-white barn, and this place stays booked like 18 months in advance. Beautiful place, um, lovely lake, little gazebo, big cross behind me standing there as they come in, as the wedding party comes in, and I'm standing there next to Drew, and I said, Drew, here she comes, and uh, Holly came in. It was a very special moment. It was a one degree warmer. It was 75 degrees at five o'clock in the afternoon. The breeze was blowing. It was amazing. And uh, Holly is so thoughtful. They had a chair sitting right there where Brielle is sitting. It had three pink roses in it for Dawn. And I saw that and just about lost it. And uh, grateful for an amazing family. We love Coach and Miss um, Quite Quite an amazing story. If you've ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights, that has something to do with uh, Holly's dad. Not the show, the movie. Mr. Uh, Mr. Walsh coached football at Odessa, Texas for the Permian Panthers. And uh, he asked Drew one day, he said, how many have you guys in Marion sent to the NFL? And he said, well, let's see, Jerry Franklin, Ray, what's his name, Ray, won't come to me, Ray Brown, yeah. And he said, well, Mr., he said, coach, that's what everybody calls him. He said, I think we've sent a couple, maybe, maybe one more, but for sure two, I know. He said, I've sent 87 to the NFL. So that'll tell you what kind of character in terms of leadership. And such a gentle, unassuming, just fellow, not, not brash in any kind of way, but an amazing family. We're so blessed to join these two families together. We had some of our folks on our lead team that were able to attend and just celebrate that with us and with me. My older brother Jim from Maryland, his son and uh, his daughter from Minneapolis, Minnesota, flew in. My sister from Arizona was there. So we had a wonderful, wonderful time, kind of a Smith family reunion in the middle of all of this, and appreciate all of your prayers. I'm excited to be back this morning. We're doing a new series kicking off today because the building is getting closer and closer and closer. Um, 
I, I, I hate to say this because I'm not certain if they've got them on the timer yet, but I drove out Friday night and all the parking lights were on and the, the wall packs all the way around the building were on. And so uh, everything is, is going up. It's just, um, the, the, uh, they've just poured the footings for the canopies for the three uh, entrances. And so those will go on. Got a big, beautiful 10 by 6 cross that's going to go up over the main entrance. And so excited about that. Uh, they'll start digging the pond with the fountain that'll shoot about 24 feet in the air next week uh, in the kind of the center of the building out front. And uh, it's just going to be a real, I believe, a testimony of what God will do if you won't quit. What God will do if you won't quit. Um, I, I will say this. I will say this just in, turn, in my regard. I, the blessing is from the Lord. The the, the consistency is in this congregation. If I have any gifting at all, it's the fact that I'm persistent. I don't quit. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning in this series called Change. Aaron, our worship leader, did a nice little job putting this together in terms of the graphic. And as they put that up, you'll notice that there is the confluence of a river there. Actually, it's a delta. And if you remember your chemistry class that triangular symbol actually is the Greek letter delta, which means change. And so this little graphic has, is quite symbolic because the title of the series is called Change. The symbol means change, and it means change in the delta. Okay, We are right here in the Mississippi River Delta. We deal with um, a, a very, very strong, multi-generational mentality that we want to prophetically be able to speak to. We don't mean getting out here and wagging our finger in people's faces, but we mean just quietly demonstrating the way of the kingdom of God to speak to the issues that are so prevalent in the Delta, racism, poverty, ignorance, uh, just an apathy, a mediocrity that is just satisfied with, you know, just whatever, whatever we have doesn't matter. We're not going to push for any kind of excellence. Um, in the middle of all of that, I believe God is raising up the church. In the middle of darkness, in the middle of, uh, in the middle of crushing oppression on the poor, um, in, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? Inequities, in inequality in terms of social justice. The church is supposed to step forward and speak prophetically to those things and be the solution, not get up in the middle of all of the political uh, polarization and try to take a side, but it's, we are supposed to, like Jesus stood between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we are called by God to minister to everyone. We're called to love everyone, not just the Democrats or just the Republicans, or the people who think like we do. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit this morning. And in the middle of that, we're called to be a prophetic people, a people that are sent by God into this community to see the problems and not just point the problems out and be critical. Be critical of the current leadership, uh, whether it's the mayor or the governor or the, 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 the county, county mayor or, or, or whatever it is. It's recognizing that things are the way they are because we have let them remain that way. And we are willing to step up and take responsibility and to just lovingly demonstrate and model and mentor people out of those kinds of patterns of thinking. Are you following me this morning? So change is not easy. Change is difficult. 
because human nature likes the status quo. We get comfortable. Uh, it's like the fellow who was lying beside the pool of Bethesda for 38 years waiting for an angel to come visit and trouble the water. And his mat, his bed, had taken on his shape. And Jesus approached him in John 5 and he said, Do you want to get well? I mean, you know, sometimes you can get so comfortable with the way things are. Status quo. One, one little African-American preacher says, that's Latin for the mess we's in. <laughs> I don't think you can define it any better than that right there. Status quo is, is, is it defines the, the problems that we have, and it has something to say to whether or not we're going to rise up and be part of the answer or just point out the problem. If we're going to be part of the answer, that means we have to what? Everybody say it. Change. We've got to change. Change is all around us. Uh, I'm, I'm getting older. I will celebrate my 58th birthday this year. And I look around, I look in the mirror, and I just go, who is this old man I'm looking at? I mean, because I, I remember my late 20s. I, I feel like most of the time, most of the time, I feel like I'm in my 30s. And then sometimes it kind of catches up with me and reminds me that I'm not in my 30s anymore. And so changes are happening. Changes are happening historically because sometimes an individual rises up and becomes a leader and a movement follows because of the actions or the decisions that a man or a woman who may have or may not have been anointed by God but may have just had determination and grit to say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not satisfied with this. We can't keep living like this. I am not willing to just relinquish all of my hope into a some glad morning when this life is o'er, hope when Jesus comes, he'll fix it all. Because I'll be honest with you, don't hear this the wrong way, but we've been waiting 21 centuries for Jesus to come. And I know that when he's ready to get here, when the Father says it's time, he will show up. But we can't just sit around and let everything go to hell in a handbasket. And just say, well, you know, when Jesus shows up, he'll yank the church out and he'll just, you know, blow it all up and start all over, which I think that whole eschatology is just messed up as it can be. And I'll leave that alone. If you believe that, I love you anyway. That's a whole different situation there I'm not going to speak to. But I believe we've got a job. We are on mission. We are called not just to come in on Sunday morning and, and hold, a, hold a pew down in the building or drop in our check, or maybe serve on a team. But we are called to be light in the middle of the darkness. We are called to be salt in the middle of the corruption. We are called to bring change so that things don't remain in the status quo. Are you hearing me this morning? And so I, I want to talk to you for a few moments about understanding the seasons of your life. Uh, as we talk about change today, we'll do, we're going to do eight messages on this, and I'm going to do all eight of these myself. I really feel just a, a, a real prophetic pull of the Lord to speak to this. In the transition that we're in, as we leave a place that we have easily become comfortable in and are going to a brand new one where a number of things are going to change, things never stay the same. As much as we would love for them to stay the same, nothing is constant except Jesus. This is our, our, our series text, if you would find it on the screen, remain seated, but say it with me, please. One verse, say it with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the midst of upheaval, in the midst of historical polarization in the United States of America, in, in the midst of near just squaring off and just 
hitting each other in the face over political ideologies and the demonizing of the other party. Whichever one you're on, both sides have done it, okay? So we're not taking sides. We're trying to stand in the middle and go, we are called to be better than this. And just because somebody is on the other party doesn't mean that they are responsible for the evil that has been created on the earth or in in America. Come on, somebody give me a hearty amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the message this morning is going to be centered around a verse or a series of verses that you are very familiar with. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the teacher, brings wisdom. Solomon is writing basically another variation of some Proverbs, and he's talking to us about the seasons of our lives. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, this is the famous one that you will remember. 1960s, it was at the birds, to everything, turn, 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 there is a season. Uh, in the 60s, I think that arose. It says, for everything there is, a say it, a season. Now I'm going to read, a time for every activity under heaven. Everybody say a time. Now, we're going to jump to 11 on the, on the board, but I'm going to listen. Just listen to this as Solomon tells us. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet. <laughs> we need that in the, in the nation right now. A time to be quiet. Let me just stop right now. How many of you know just because somebody posts something on social media that you don't agree with doesn't mean you are obligated to respond? Y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good already. I just wish folk could realize that you don't. You can move on and life can go on. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden that God has placed on us all. Yet, here it comes. Read it out loud with me, verse 11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Eternity is inside your heart. This morning, even if you've never crossed the line of faith, there is something inside of you that is reaching for the fulfillment of some hope, something that you know that, there's, that there's, there has to be something beyond all of this seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day, just work-a-day world where you get in the rat race and the rut and all of the stuff that we do that just literally weighs us down. There is something in you that says, it's that the, 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 the song we started with this morning, there is a deep on the inside of you that is crying out to a deep that can only be answered in Christ. Deep calls unto deep. That, that comes out of Psalm 42, verse 7. It's the idea of the nearly immeasurable bottom of an ocean and the hunger inside you. Listen to this thought this morning. I believe with all of my heart that as far as science 
Uh, and the, the knowledge of man can go all the way to the far reaches of the universe that, that is just growing rapidly at 186,000 miles per second. The universe continues to expand and we build bigger telescopes and we're able to reach to see the end with the human eye, to, to see galaxies out in space. I believe as far out as you can go to search and to explore that way, I think you can turn around and go exactly that far inside your own human soul. There's some depths in there that when you begin to recognize and you don't try to medicate them with addictive patterns of behavior and uh, whether it's alcohol or drugs or shopping or, or any other thing or your work or whatever you do and you begin to let those things be felt and you recognize that there's a hunger, there's a yearning. God has set eternity inside your heart and it's crying out to be filled. It was St. Augustine. The African bishop of Hippo, a black man who literally has radically affected the church of Jesus Christ in the 4th century, he said, there is a vacuum on the inside of you that can only be filled. It is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be satisfied when it is filled with God himself. All of my longings, all of my searchings can only be satisfied in the one who put those searchings in me in the first place. Eternity is in your heart. Verse 11 Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Two more verses. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and to enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Somebody say amen. One thing, one thing, Look at the screen and read it with me like you mean it. Come on. Understanding time is less about managing the hours in the day and far more about recognizing the season of your life. One more time. Come on, like you mean it. Understanding time is less about managing the hours in the day and far more about recognizing the season of your life. Point number one, time marches on. You have a beautiful baby that comes into your life as a young family, and the first one comes along, and you take so many pictures, you just wear out cameras. The second one, you don't even take a picture, and you know. I, I don't, I, I, Abby was asking me for pictures for a new single release, and I just was embarrassed because, I mean, we took so many of Drew and probably a third that many of Abby, and I'm going, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, to find some pictures. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and you blink twice, and, and they're walking across a, a kindergarten graduation with a little cap and gown, and you blink three times, and they're walking across the platform graduating from high school, and then it's college, or it's a career, or it's, and, and before you know it, they're getting married. My son is 30, and he's married. It just blows my mind. I, I remember... I remember when Drew was a little boy, I remember T-ball games. I, I, I remember going back to T-ball games when I had Abby. And I looked at Dawn and I said, did we act like these people, these parents do? When Drew was playing T-ball, she said, I didn't, you did. <laughs> I probably did holler a little too loud. Timer never got into a fight with anybody, thank the Lord. Time marches on. It's just crazy how... 
a, a day will fold into a week and a week into a month and a month into a year and you're ripping off a new calendar and starting a new day, a new year. How does it happen so quickly? Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The King James says it this way, Teach us to number our days aright so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, my one thing is not poo-pooing time management. I believe you should be responsible. I believe that you ought to be a good steward over your time. But I believe we can be so meticulous down into 15-minute segments of the day that we miss moments. We can be, was it Charles Hummel or Hubble? I can't remember exactly, who wrote a little tract or a pamphlet literally decades and decades ago called The Tyranny of the Urgent. And it talks about the fact that our lives are so cram-packed with all of these demands and expectations that we put on ourselves and that people have on us, and they're, they're rightfully so because we, we have responsibilities, we have jobs, we have children, we have lives, we have careers, we have a community to be involved in and to take care of. We have a mission that as believers that we are to be cognizant and aware of. But when the urgent begins to crowd out the important, my, my grass that needs to be cut is urgent, but spending time with my seven-year-old son was important. And sometimes the urgent screams at you with the sense of, rightfully so, an urgency. And this should be handled, and you, you need to check the email because your boss expects you to cover all of these bases. And certainly you want to be faithful and good stewards with your time. Time is the one thing where we truly are equal. You know, as, as much as I do truly with all of my heart believe the words of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I, I believe that there, to, to think that we are truly, in the literal sense, equal in every way is ridiculous because there are people in this room that were born into families of total abject poverty. And there are other people in the room that were born into families of nice middle-class comfortability. And maybe even uh, one or two that was born into a, a wealthy family. And for us to think that all of those people have the same opportunities in an equal sense is foolishness. We are not. Your giftings are different. Some of you have the ability to, with, with great athletic feats, and you are built like it. Some of us are like, like automobiles. Some of you are built like a Porsche. You, you can go fast. You're sleek. Some of us are built like big SUVs, and I'm about a luxury, and it's about comfort. I ain't ashamed of my SUV, baby. Just trying to lean it up a little bit. <laughs> Get a little hybrid, a little better gas mileage. <laughs> Okay, don't press the analogy here. Uh, but but you, see what I'm, you see what I'm thinking? Some of you are mechanically gifted. You, you can, my, my dad could, could get something that had to be put together. There's something about Christmas Day and little kids that some assembly required just vexed my soul. I don't want to assemble anything. I'll pay a little extra money to have you put it together for me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning trying to keep myself from using four-letter words that a preacher's not supposed to use because I'm so frustrated that I've got some assembly required. So I would always pay extra because I'm not mechanical and I'm not ashamed of it. 
I'm creative and I'm musical. And there are things that I can do that other folk can't do. And I've gotten comfortable in my skin. And I'm not ashamed of the fact that I don't change the oil on my car. My daddy was a mechanic and he wouldn't even let us do it. He said, I don't want you boys to be mechanics. Grady said, no, 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 I got this. And now I wish that I would have let him show me because it's freaking crazy what you pay just to drive in and get some good oil, some synthetic oil put in your vehicle. Uh, Y'all hear what I'm talking about. I'm not mechanical. There are things that I can do. Some of you are gifted in organizational kinds of ways and you can, you can look at a room and you can put stuff together and, and all of our giftings are not the same. We are not equal in that. But the one thing that we are equal in is the time. Everybody's day has 24 hours in it. Everybody's hour has 60 minutes in it. Everybody's minute has 60 seconds in it. None of us have any more advantage than the other one does with our time. That's the one place where we are truly created equal. Now, all of us don't have the same years But we all have the same second and the same minute and the same hour and the same day. What you do with today has to do with your understanding of your life and your calling. I believe we should be faithful time managers. But remember, understanding time is less about managing the hours in the day and far more about recognizing the seasons in your life. Because days roll into weeks, weeks become months, months become years. But then we have this concept called seasons. Uh, in, in, in the text that we read, there's a planting time. It's the spring. You cultivate the soil. You till it up. You get the seeds in the ground. You don't try to plant in the harvest season because it's not going to work because you need the heat and the rain of the summer months to grow the crops. And so there's a right season to plant. There's a right season to to invest in your children. We regularly dedicate, lay hands on babies and on parents here at Victory, and we tell them, guess what? Between now and the time that your baby is 18, you've got, what is it, Pastor Haley, 900 and how many weeks is it? Until their 18th birthday, and so we give you a jar full of marbles and tell you to take a marble out every week so it shows you the brevity of life. So you recognize that sitting down on a regular basis and reading a story to your little boy, to your little girl, uh, taking time to have a family meal at least a couple of times a week and sitting down and, and, and offering thanks to the Lord above who has opened His benevolent hand and blessed you with a good job and given you health so you can work and provide for your family and teaching your children, nurturing them in, in, in the, the goodness of a father that loves them and is crazy about them and don't raise them in this some kind of aberrant fear of a God who is a monster, some Zeus on a mountain uh, up out of Greek mythology that, that is just boiling fire and spitting anger but a God who loves them, a father that's crazy about them, a heavenly father that has a refrigerator covered with pictures and yours is on it. How amazing can that be if we raise children that are, that are well-balanced and that are trained? And, and what it was that Abraham Lincoln said, it's far better to teach children than to try to fix broken men. Seasons. Do you know the season you're in? I can look at my watch right now and I can see the sweep of the second hand and I can look and, and know that I have 10 minutes till 10. to wrap. I've got a few minutes to wrap this up this morning. I've got to, I, but but I, I don't want to, in the middle of trying to, 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 to steward and manage that time, miss a moment that comes in the Spirit. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. Because there's a season. We're in a new season at Victory. 
We have not quit. We have persisted. We have trusted God. And when folks thought that the idea of a preacher staying here in this place in this stupid mall for as long as we've been until we would see a building rise up out of 30 acres that we paid for eight years ago. We've not quit. And people literally mocked and made fun. And I heard it in the community when people said, that ain't never going to happen. They'll never get that building built. They've been talking about it for years. And you know what? I just like to pull out a Toby Keith song and say, how do you like me now? Number two, all seasons are not created equal. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Read it out loud with me. Come on, everybody. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the... Everybody say the right time. I want you to say the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. But to reap in this season, I have to have recognized two seasons back in the spring and planted... And I need to recognize the powerful prophetic moments, opportunities that God is bringing. Look at this, Daniel chapter 2, three verses, 20 through 22. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever who to whom belong wisdom and might. Say it out loud with me, verse 21. He what? He changes times and seasons. Keep reading. He removes kings and sets up kings. Stop right there. You can't claim God put the last president in and then deny that this one is also in by the will of God. You can't claim this one is, thank God we got this one, and then deny that the last one wasn't in. See, I'm I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'll offend the Democrats and the Republicans both. I believe God is sovereign. I believe the Scripture says the powers that be are ordained of God. Now, that doesn't mean you just sit back and get lazy. Let me tell you, if you don't like what's going on, you better go vote November the 6th. And if you like what's going on, you better go vote November the 6th. Whatever your party affiliation is, all of those things are secondary to the things of the kingdom of God. But you still have citizen responsibilities as a citizen of the United States of America. Don't shout me down. Somebody say amen. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. I want you to see two Greek words this morning that, that give us a concept of time. Two Greek words. Click. Two. There we go. Everybody say chronos. Say kairos. Chronos, you, 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 can, you immediately are already thinking chronology. The, the time on your watch is chronological. 11 o'clock follows 10. 11.01 follows 11.00. There is a linear chronology. So the Bible talks about chronos time. This is time where we recognize the seconds that roll into minutes, that roll into hours, that roll into days, into weeks, into years, into decades, into centuries, millennia. All of these, these various definitions and measurements of chronos time. Okay? But I want you to recognize that the Bible talks about kairos moments. Everybody say kairos. Kronos is seconds and minutes. Kairos is seasons and moments. 
Now, I want you to think about this with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, or Sarah received strength to conceive seed, even though her body was already dead, is what the scripture says. How many of you know, Kronos had already passed Sarah. Her opportunity to have a baby had come and done gone. It was already on the other side. She, she, was, she was already one foot in the grave. And how many of you know when you have a word from the Lord, when you have a promise from God, and, and, and uh, uh, Sydney sang it this morning, she says, I am not an orphan. She said, I am a child of the king, and I am defined by the promises that he speaks about me. If you have a promise from God, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I don't care how lack of education you have or how much you think you have and how amazing, how smart you think you are. How little bit of money you have or how much you're just just bathing in it. All of those things are beside the point. When you have a word from God, your chronos might not be here yet. Your chronos might have already passed you by. But Sarah trusted God by faith. And the Bible says she received strength to receive seed. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, verses 10 through 15, that the angel of the Lord visited Abraham and Sarah and a promise that they had heard 24 years before. Abraham was 75. Sarah was 65. Now Abraham is 99. Sarah is 89. Everybody say, well passed. Kronos has gone. God sometimes waits until you can't take any credit whatsoever. And let me tell you something this morning. If your dream isn't too big for you to accomplish it, it's not really a dream from God. It's not a God-sized dream unless it takes faith for you to muster, to trust in God's ability to do the impossible and move mountains out of the way and cast them into the sea. Unless you have to trust and lean into Him and trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding and trust that all your ways, if you acknowledge Him, He will make your paths straight and direct your steps. If it's it's not so big that you have to trust God for it to come to pass, it's not a God-sized dream. I want you to recognize this morning when the angels visited and said, this time next year is an appointed time. Everybody say Kairos. He said... I will be back next year at this time, and you will have a son. And Sarah's in the tent, and she laughed. And the angel of the Lord heard her laugh. God heard her laugh. And how many of you know when the baby was finally born, he says the name is going to be Isaac. Isaac means laughter. How many of you know God will always get the last laugh in your life? Sarah laughed, and she said, ain't no way. And God said, just hide and watch, baby. So Abraham heard the word. He, got, he started meditating on it. He's working in the field and he's thinking, is there any way possible that God could do this? I'm well past Kronos. They hadn't invented any little blue pills yet. I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. I hope I'm not getting too plain for you this morning, but let's talk, let's talk about a 99-year-old man with a promise to be a father of a nation. You know, that thing started growing in him on the inside. The faith started just, just, just a rising up on the inside of him. And one day, Sarah came in from the field and she hears some music on the boombox in the tent. And, and Abraham's got Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on, honey. Sarah walks in and Abraham says, Hey, baby girl, how you doing? 
Well, hey, Abby, what you got on your mind? <laughs> Y'all don't look at me in that kind of tone of voice. How many of you know there's a time to quit praying and start taking some action? I'll let you interpret that however you want to, and you show some wisdom when you interpret that in your situation. When your chronos is passed, God will give you a kairos moment. A kairos is a window of opportunity. It's a season where things have dramatically changed, and it supersedes the natural. It's a supernatural opening of the windows of heaven. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? We're in a new season at victory. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. With all of my heart, I believe that. There's a time to pray and there's a time to, let's get it on, honey. Number three, and I'm finished. Living a Kairos life in a Kronos world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Read this with me. Therefore, whenever we have the, that literally is the word Kairos right there. There are opportunities that if you don't have your eyes open this week and you are so bound by the tyranny of the urgent that you don't see the important, God has called you as a believer to live a kairos life in a chronos world. To have your eyes open so that you can sense by the Holy Spirit where God is moving and hovering over somebody's life. And he's, he's the, the, the angel of the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit himself is hovering over the womb of somebody's promise. They're pregnant with a vision, but they're discouraged because their chronos has passed. Their season has passed. They were overlooked for a promotion. The financing didn't come through. They failed the class, didn't graduate, made a bad decision had a bad marriage, had a business that ended, lost a life that was taken too soon. Sometimes those things can set us back. Sometimes those things can lay us flat on our face. And that's when we learn to really lean hard into God's ability. And he says, your chronos is done, but you've forgotten I've got this kairos up my sleeve for you. I've got a special moment of opportunity. I've got a moment that it's, it supersedes the linear chronology of life. It supersedes the agricultural rolling of the seasons because I planted a seed in you 30 years ago and it's just about now to come to fruition because you didn't quit. Because you didn't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the kairos, when we have the opportunity... We should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Because you see, all time segments are not the same. Ten minutes checking my email isn't the same as recognizing an opportunity, a kairos, and taking ten minutes to share the gospel with a friend. (laughs) That's a window that God opens. Because God has been coaching them and drawing them and and wooing them into a moment where their heart is ready. And the issue is, are you ready and will you be faithful to sow the seed of the gospel in that little 10-minute window? Will you watch? Will you be be watchful? Will you look around? Will Will you recognize that an hour cutting your grass doesn't equal seeing a window that opens and taking an hour to encourage a hurting sister to sit with her at coffee or tea Maybe take a brother out to lunch and just say, man, I know you're going through hell. 
But I'm telling you, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. Take an hour to invest in somebody and see an opportunity. And when people are hurting, when people are broken, when a community is broken, when a nation is broken the way we are right now, I beg you, I implore you, as, as a believer, you've taken the, the, the wine and the bread this morning and you've been reminded of who you are and don't go out there and get caught up into this disgusting fray. Be the healing bomb in the middle of this nonsense. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. There are moments... There are people that you've prayed for, folk that you've been waiting on, and it looks like God sometimes doesn't even hear your prayers. But when you don't give up, when you continue to persist, it's amazing how God can push a life onto the back burner and just let it simmer for a little while. And all of a sudden, it starts to get ready, and the Spirit of God starts moving, and somebody starts asking questions, and they get hungry. You're called on mission to be ready to take that 10 minutes or that 20 minutes or that hour or that afternoon or whatever because it's a kairos moment of opportunity. It's a a moment where God says, I want to use you. I want you to be my instrument. I want you to be my hands and my feet and show people that I am alive in you. And when you do that, when you watch for that, when you listen for that, the the opportunity of a lifetime comes your way and you must seize that lifetime, that opportunity in the lifetime that it is there. One final thought and I'm finished. Have you got anything out of this this morning? Understand the seasons of your life. Remember that understanding time is far more than managing the hours of the day. It It is so much about understanding the seasons of your life. Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 when they were come in, they went into, everybody say it, an upper room. And it, here's all the people, the whole list. Go ahead and give me the next verse because I want to finish. Read it out loud. Here we go. These all continued with what? With one accord. Everybody say united. united. we got to be together. We're united in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Everybody say continued. continued. So they're there. They're, they're seeking God because eternity is, is hungry in their hearts. They know something. They know it's a new season. They can smell it in the air. They, they know that, that God is about to show up and show out and do something that absolutely is, it, it, it defies the, the philosophers and the ideologues. And what's about to happen is called the day of Pentecost. And if you would go ahead and flip over to 2.1. Read it out loud with me. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Everybody say fully come. So this is the idea of a season, an appointed time, something that has come to full fruition, something that cannot be denied. It's like the, the, the dam has been opened up and here comes the wave, hallelujah. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were what? Say it, say it again. They were all with one accord in one place. So they're united and they're continuing in that. 2, chapter 2, verse 1. Say it, and suddenly... Some of you are waiting for a suddenly in your lives. And, and you know the story. I'm not going to take time and preach on the tongues of fire. And They walk out of the upper room and Peter stands up like a man possessed and preaches and 3,000 get saved. I mean, revival hits. It's big time. It's, it's a suddenly moment. It's a kairos moment. Something dramatically changed and shifted in the atmosphere. 
But I want to say this to you. The suddenly came to them because they were continuing in one place, united together. So the suddenly you're asking God for in your family, are you continuing to honor your wife and love her? Are you continuing to... Uh, in, in a godly, loving, nurturing sense, discipline your children to, with the view of raising champions that can change the world? Are, are you continuing to, to walk together? The Bible says in Amos 3, 3, how can two walk together except they agree, agree on the direction they're going? Are you continuing in one accord, in one place, in your family, in your own heart, abiding together in agreement with the Father and what the Word says about you? Are you continuing in faith? Are you continuing to trust God, to believe God for miracles, to move mountains, great things that are bigger than your own natural ability? Are you continuing? Because when you continue, God will bring you the suddenly. Put it on the screen for me, and I want you to read it out loud. Here we go. Say it. Be faithful with your continually, and God will take care of the suddenly. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Never, never. Come on, say it. Never, never, never. Never quit. Continue. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Continue. Don't quit. Don't give up. What did it say in Galatians 6, 9? Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season, the King James says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Everybody say, continue. Hear the word of the Lord this morning, congregation. We are in a new season. Understand the season we're in. Ask God for miracles in your life because suddenlies are upon us. Just a matter of weeks, we're going to walk out there and, and, and get into a new building and you are going to be overwhelmed at what God is going to do in the life of this church to bring change to the Delta. Not because we're all that, but because we recognize we're not all of that. But with Him, He is all of that. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give Him praise. Understanding time is so much more than just managing hours of the day. It's about recognizing the seasons of your life. There's a Kairos moment in this room right now. You've lived 15, 45 70 years in Kronos. Maybe you've heard the gospel. Maybe just it just never seemed like it was something you could take that step. And there's a Kairos moment for somebody in this room. I don't know who it is. The Spirit of the Lord is tapping you on the shoulder saying, it's the right time. It's the due season. You're one decision away from a totally different life. You're one breath away from a whole different existence. Recognize the moment. The windows of heaven are open to pour out a blessing on you that you don't even have room to receive it. It's a kairos moment. It's a season. It's a a pregnant moment. It's a moment of explosive vision. It's a moment where Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago suspended between heaven and earth. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My pursuit of happiness is about what happened 2,000 years ago. I can be happy because of what happened to Jesus. Your life can change. 
He can give you joy in the middle of your sorrow. He will put on a garment of praise on you for the spirit of heaviness. Beauty for ashes, the Bible says. He wants to come and change your garments, change your life, change your mind, change your attitude, change your perspective, change your vision. Because change is what we desperately need. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you would please, this morning. And I just want to say to you right now, you know who.